happening in church today. I trust that you have sensed the presence of God in this place once again and that God has already just uh, blessed you through the messages of the special music and uh, what, a, what a tremendous blessing from the different uh, languages and realizing that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, amen? He loved everyone and Jesus came and that's why that's the only plan of salvation that God has for all people is to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he was God manifest in the flesh, believing that he did go to Calvary's cross some 2,000 years ago, paid a sin debt that we all owed and could not pay. He paid that for us. He resurrected on the third day, uh, proving that he was the very son of God. And then he is uh, ascended into heaven, and he's always there, ever living to make intercession for us. What a blessing. That's the gospel. That's the gospel message. And you've heard that this morning already in song. And uh, what a, it's just been a tremendous blessing. I, I tell our people that the most important place that we have in this life is our homes. Because God wants you to make your home a place of refuge. The second most important place is the church. Because God knows that we need the church as a place of refuge. And if your home is a place of refuge, can I tell you, your church will be a place of refuge. If you allow God to have his place in your home that he wants to have, then uh, you'll make the church, amen, the second most important place in your lives. And when you have that, uh, Satan can throw all the fiery darts that he wants at us, and you'll be able to overcome them. And you can have the help and the, the power and the blessings of God. Just looking to him, making your home and your church two most important places of refuge that we have in on this planet Earth. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, look with me to the book of 1 Kings and chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. Can I tell you that I have thoroughly been blessed by being here this week. We uh, flew in on uh, Thursday and uh, just in time to be here for Thursday night services and then all day yesterday on Friday and then all day yesterday and then today and uh, the Lord has just con just continued to, to just uh, bestow blessing after blessing and mainly from this church from your pastor and his family uh, I've known them for some time as far as just a, an acquaintance and now I feel like I know them so much better by being here and I see just what God has been doing uh, here in New York City at this church. And uh, I've seen many pictures and I, I've understood a lot of what was taking place, but not like I do now in being here. And uh, so I want to thank you, uh, Brother Montoro, for the invitation and then thank the Lord for opening the door and allowing me to come to be here with you over the last few days. And, and I trust that uh, today that God is going to meet with us once again. I've been praying that God would just use me. I believe if he had me to come from Indianapolis to be here with you in New York, that he had a purpose for that. And I just trust that I will be so yielded that he will be able to speak through me, work through me to be the help and the blessing that he has for you here today. And so if you have your Bibles, if you've turned there to 1 Kings chapter 3, if you'll stand with me, and we're going to be reading verse 5 down to verse 14. 1 Kings chapter 3. What a tremendous king 
and a man David was. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. He was the most powerful king of Israel that they, they had ever had. And now God is blessing David by blessing his seed and allowing David's seed to be the next king of Israel. And the one that he has chosen to be the next king of Israel is Solomon. And, of course, we've read the Bible, you've read the Bible, and you know how God worked through Solomon's life to, to make up uh, many of the passages of Scripture in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Proverbs. But uh, Solomon was greatly used by God. But we find here the beginning of the ministry of King Solomon. And the Bible records a, a time in his life and an event in his life that I believe that God wants us to benefit from today. Uh, we are to benefit from all of the, 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 the uh, events in the, in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. It's all there for our understanding, our learning of who God is. Now, we have to understand the breakdown of the Old Testament, New Testament, but it's there for us to be able to learn from uh, biblical principles and truths. And the life of King Solomon, we look here, the early beginning of the life of King Solomon as king of Israel. Verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, this is God speaking to Solomon. Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy. According as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked, these things, this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days." And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes 
and my commandments as thy father David did walk. Then I will lengthen thy days. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow before you once again, we do thank you for what you've already done for us in just assembling ourselves together and meeting in this place. Thank you for this great church. And God, I pray that you would continue to work in and through this church to accomplish great and mighty things that you have this church here to accomplish. I pray this morning, God, for all that have come through the doors of this church, that, God, that you would give them an ear to hear and a heart to make an application of what you have to say to them. And I ask God once again that you would use me as an instrument in your hand to bring forth your message to your people from your word. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So we find here that Solomon now would follow after his father David to be the next king of Israel. And God meets with Solomon and God invites Solomon to ask for whatever he wanted. Now, did you, did you see that there in verse 5? God, Almighty God. Solomon knew God to be the creator God. Solomon knew God to be the one that could do anything and everything. And God comes to Solomon. He appears to him and he said, Ask what I shall give thee. <laughs> when somebody says this to us, how would you respond? I think the first thing is you would look at that person to consider what they could give. If your child comes to you and looks up at you and says, Mom, Dad, I love you so much. I want to give you something. Ask whatever you want me to give you. <laughs> uh, the brand new car? No, that's out the window. A new house? <laughs> I'm looking at my child and I'm thinking, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to give me a new house. I don't think that they're going to be able to give me money. But they want to be a blessing to me. And so when somebody wants to be a blessing, they come to you and says, what do you want? What can I do for you? What can I give you? You first of all consider who it is. You have to. Hmm. Now... My children, every time I had a birthday or whether it was Father's Day, Christmas, and they would say, Dad, we want, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want? And my reply has always been this very same thing. I want you to, first of all, love your sister. <laughs> we waste two girls. Love God and turn out right. Oh, Dad, come on. I, we know you want that, but what else do you want? I mean, come on. Surely there's something we can do. Surely, surely there's something uh, that we can give to you. And I, I would always come back and say, the most important thing that you can do for me is love God, love your sister, and turn out right. Every time. Throughout the whole time we was raising them, every time there was a my birthday, Father's Day, Christmas, whatever it was, and they gave that to me. What a blessing. That was the greatest thing they could ever give. But I would have to look at what, what is it? What could they give to me? 
Now, when my wife says that, I know she can give a whole lot more. I ask a little bit more of her, possibly. But listen to me. This was almighty God. Asking Solomon, what do you want? (laughs) Nothing would be impossible. A limitless, infinite God asking you, what do you want? Spurgeon said, men's character appears in their choices and their desires. What you ask God for says much about your character. The message I want to preach to you this morning, I've simply entitled, What Are You Asking God For? You say, preacher, I I don't really feel like that I'm, I can't ask, I don't ask God for anything. How sad. You have an almighty God that wants to bless you. You have an almighty God who commands us to just ask. We have the Bible that says that we have not because we ask not. What a sad thing for you to be the child of God and God wants to be a blessing. He wants to help you. He wants to bestow upon you things that only God can bestow upon you. Only God can bless you with and you're not even looking to him and you're not asking. He tells us to ask. And what a great example here in the life of Solomon. He would be the most wealthiest man ever to live. He would have more wisdom than any other person on earth. And it came from God. Solomon first declares himself unworthy and undeserving of God's invitation. And can I tell you, that's a good place to start. When you start expecting certain things as if I deserve things from God, I deserve for God to give me this house, I deserve for God to give me this wealth, I deserve for God, whatever it might be, listen to me, uh, you've just lost it all. Solomon, first of all, acknowledges his unworthiness. None of us are worthy. Hmm. Unmerited favor is the grace of God. Unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it, but it's there. Verse 7, verse 8, he says, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant. And he looks at himself, I'm your servant, God. Thou hast made thy servant in the midst of uh, my dad's servant, king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. Now, he's a king of Israel. At this time, the most powerful nation on the planet Earth. (laughs) He's already king. But he says, I'm but a little child. He understands who God is, as we preached last night, as Isaiah did. I know not how to go out or come in. That's a good place to start. He then acknowledges the position that God had placed him in. As king of Israel, but as a servant of God's. Verse 8, and thy servant... In the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. I am in, a king, I am in the position of king over this innumerable amount of people and this great uh, people Israel. 
but I'm your servant. Well, that's a second. That's a good mindset to have. If you're going to receive what God has for you, and if you're going to ask for the right things, you have to realize, first of all, you're unworthy of it. Second thing is, your servant. I represent the Lord God of heaven, and I'm his servant. And then what Solomon asked for in verse 9, and we're going to get back to that, but what I want you to see is in verse 10 when it says, and the speech pleased the Lord. What Solomon asked for was exactly what God wanted him to ask for. And then in this passage of Scripture that God has given to us, God reveals what not to ask for. <laughs> Amen? And I'm... I'm, I'm I'm afraid that too many people are asking God for what God says, I don't want you to ask for. <laughs> and so first of all, let's focus a little bit of time here on God, what God reveals, what not to ask for. First of all, verse 11. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not, hast not asked for long life. God does not have us here on this earth just to give us a long life. I don't know anybody that does not want to live a long life. The older we get, when we start getting closer to that old age and closer to that time, and it's evident that I'm not going to live forever here on this earth, and we might desire to live a little bit longer, to accomplish a little bit more, whatever it might be. But listen to me, God does not have us here on this earth just to give us a long life on this earth. In Christ, once you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, can I tell you, He's already given us everlasting life in heaven. If I have everlasting life in heaven, which is a far better place to enjoy life than on earth, why am I asking God to send, give me a long life here? If it's just about living on this earth, can I tell you, heaven is a far greater place. <laughs> and when you understand heaven to be real... You understand the blessings that God reveals to us about heaven. He just gives us a glimpse of what it's going to be like. No more suffering, no more sorrows, no more pain, no more tears. I mean, we could go on and on. Wow. I have that. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Far better place. But to live however many years here, the purpose is to live it for Christ. Paul would write in Philippians in chapter 1, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. 
Lord, I would far rather be... God gave Paul a glimpse of heaven. He took him up into the third heaven, which is the very abode of God. It's not up in outer space anywhere. It's a different dimension, but it's a third heaven. The Bible reveals us. Paul was caught up into the third heaven, and he saw things that no other man had ever saw. And he looked at these things. And so because of that, God had to give him an infirmity of the flesh. Amen. Just to keep him humble, if you will, however that might have worked. But Paul saw that and he realized that that's what I have to look forward to. And my desire would be, God, take me home. But he realized that he was not on this earth to live a long life. He was placed on this earth to use his life to bring honor and glory to Christ. For to me to live. Is Christ. So Solomon was going to get long life, but that's not what he asked for. Because that's not what God would have us to ask for. Use my life. He goes on. God is pleased that Solomon did not ask for long life on this earth. The second thing that he's pleased with that Solomon did not ask for in verse 11... Thou hast not asked for long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself. Riches for thyself. Now, if your employer comes up to you and says, what can I do for you? There's nothing wrong with saying a raise would be nice. Yeah. Maybe a company car, you know, housing. (laughs) Get all you can get. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if God comes to you and you know that God can bless you beyond understanding financially, if he wants you to have that, riches for thyself is what God told Solomon. I I didn't want you to ask for that. The world's riches cannot compare to what God has for us in glory. We want gold in this world, in heaven. I mean, it's like asphalt. (laughs) Amen. It's just not that big of a deal. It can't compare to what God has for us in glory. So it's not necessarily his plan for us to have all the gold that we can have in this life. It's not necessarily God's plan for us to have that huge bank account. Sometimes it's a hindrance because then you put your trust in that bank account and you put your trust in the gold that you have put up or in a job and your trust is not where it needs to be. Matter of fact, we find that God gives us a warning about the treasures of this world and putting too much emphasis on the treasures of this life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, look there with me. I'm sure that you're very familiar with this, but let me just read it to you because it's something that we need to be aware of when it's, we realize it is not what we ought to be asking for. It's not something that is pleasing to God. And God, give me a million dollars. God, give me, fill my bank accounts. Give me some gold. Give me some silver. Give me some diamonds. If you're praying that way, you're praying amiss. Look what it says here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8. 
And having food and raiment, let us there be there with content. If your heart's where it ought to be, you're content with God meeting your need. <laughs> yeah, understand that? If you are where you ought to be and your heart is where it ought to be, and you know that you're in a place where God wants you to be and you're in the will of God, you can be content with just your needs, basic needs being met. You can have the joy. You can have the peace of mind. If you don't have contentment, you don't have all that God wants you to have. I've got to have all that God wants me to have in order to have true contentment. You've got to have all the faith that God wants you to have. You have to have all the Bible knowledge that God wants you to have. You have to have confidence in the Lord, trust in the Lord. When you have what God wants you to have, listen to me, it's not all about money. It's not all about finances. You can be content. And so he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich, Lord, I want to be rich. God, I want to have gold and I want to have silver and I want to have diamonds. And that's what your life is all about? He goes on to say, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Oh, I trust that we're not focused on that. We're, we're not letting the world influence us to have that kind of thinking. That's the world's mindset because this is all they have to live for. This is the only heaven they'll ever know if they're lost. And if you will, this is as bad as it gets for the saved person. <laughs> no matter what's going on here, this is as bad as it gets because we have glory to look forward to. And he goes on after that and he says this. This is what God says. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That is a powerful statement. And you look around today, what drives people? Money. Finances. I want to have everything that this world has to offer. And Satan will lure you by that thought of having it to destruction. That's what the Bible says. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So do we find ourselves asking God to bless me with money? Bless me with finances? I'm sure glad Solomon didn't ask for that. He pleased God by not asking for that. The next thing, look right back up with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. Everybody with me this morning? Amen? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, 1, uh, 1, Samuel, uh, 1 Kings rather, chapter 3. He, one more thing, one more thing. Said, you haven't asked for thyself long life, neither hast riches for thyself. And this is, he gives this illustration because that's what most people would have been asking for if they were focused on this world. Look at the last one. Nor hast asked the life of thine enemies. <laughs> Revenge. 
They did me wrong. And you are so filled with revenge and a desire to get even, to get back. That's the world's thinking. Give me a position so I can use it to hurt that person or to get back at that person. And even sometimes you get so confused that you'll start using God as you would an attack dog. God, they did me wrong. Get them. That co-worker of yours who lied about you or did something against you, God, they did that to me. Can you believe that? They actually did that to me. God, take them out. (laughs) Can I tell you, that's not why you're there. To have God work as your hitman. You're there because God put you there. So that you can have a testimony that that person might see and possibly be affected by and be saved. God didn't put you there to take that person out. God loves that person. God loves the soul of that individual. He does not like the sin. He does not love that sin. But he loves the soul of that individual. That's a soul that Jesus died for. God doesn't want you to be praying to take somebody out. Sure glad that Solomon didn't pray for that. Can I tell you that you're still thinking of this world and having a comfortable life in this world. By getting rid of certain people, you can have a comfortable life. (laughs) But that's not what God has you here for. Can I tell you that in this New Testament church age, it's not about judgment. We would like God to judge. Get rid of all the ungodly politicians. (laughs) God, get rid of everybody who opposes Christianity. That's not why we're here, to get rid of them. John chapter 12, I want you to see this. Amen. (laughs) Amen. We might have to change some prayer requests. And you'll be better because of it. John chapter 12, verse 46. Oftentimes the disciples would say, let's take them out. You want us to, Peter was one. Lord, let me go to battle for you. He tried to cut off one one of the soldiers' heads. Amen? When they come out against the Lord, God rebuked him. You're not here for that. That is not why I came this time. There is coming judgment, but not this church age. Look what he says. Look what Jesus taught. John chapter 12, verse 46. I am come at a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness, He would also tell us that we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world. Wow. I'm sure his disciples are trying to figure it out. Whoa. You didn't? (laughs) But to save the world. 
but to save the world. This church age is all about seeing people saved. This church age is all about the church being the lighthouse. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me receiveth not and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him the word. The very word that they have an opportunity to, to read and study and understand and believe and live by, that's what's going to be judging all mankind. That I have spoken, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And every one of us have the very same commandments. And I know this, that this commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Well, I'm sure glad that Solomon didn't ask for those things. And I'm sure glad that we have it in the Bible to help us to realize if you're asking for those things, you're asking amiss. You're confused. So now let's go back. And in the last few minutes here, let me share with you what Solomon did ask for. Verse 9. What pleased God? This, the verse 10 says it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. What was it? Do you not want to please God? Because when you please God, this almighty God can pour out blessings that you don't even realize that you can have. He can open doors that you don't even know exist. He can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. So what was God pleased with? One verse, verse 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and for bad for who is able to judge this, so, so, this thy so great a people. Solomon acknowledged the position that God had placed him in and ask for what would enable him to accomplish God's will. That's what you ask for. What would enable me to accomplish God's will in my life? His heart's desire was to be used by God. Can I tell you that God has instructions for every position in life that we hold? Why am I here? As I said before, family, if you got saved, God wants you to look at your family and realize that's your first ministry. You can reach your family like no one else can reach your family. God has given you a platform by which you can work from to influence your family. 
in our church, and I'm sure it's the same here, get one person get saved. And before you know it, their brothers and their sisters and their aunts and their uncles and their in-laws and outlaws. <laughs> they hear and they see what's happened. And before you know it, they start coming to church. And then they get saved. And that opens a whole other door to so many other people's lives. That's how we're going to reach the world. Reaching as many people as we can so that they can reach as many people as they can. And it starts with family. Lord, use me to provide for my family. Should be every man's prayer here. See, because what you need first of all, what your family needs first of all, once you know Jesus as your Savior, is a testimony. Your testimony is the most important thing that you have to offer anyone and everyone on this planet Earth. Your testimony, what God has done for you, what changed your life, what changed your life from a drunkard to a saved man serving God, what changed your life from a drug addict to a saved person serving God, what changed your life from wherever it came from, what Jesus Christ did for you, you have that to share with everyone else. Your testimony. God, help me to be the light that you want me to be. Help me, Lord God, to be the salt. Can I tell you that salt makes everything better? There's been times when I've had to sit down at a table on the mission field or other places and they have provided food for me and after the first bite, I realized, God, you're going to have to help me here. I don't want to be offensive here. And one of the first things that I start doing, I start looking around and say, is, is, is there salt anywhere? Because <laughs> salt, the saver, put on food, well, at least make it edible. <laughs> Amen. God says you don't want to lose your testimony because that's your savor and you're the salt of the earth. Your life, your presence, your testimony ought to make everything around you better because you represent the God of heaven. You represent what they have need of, whether they realize it or not. They need Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. He asked for what would enable him to accomplish God's will for his life as a king of Israel. You need to ask what God, for what God can give you that will enable you to accomplish what God has you here to accomplish. First of all, your family. Testimony. Time. Nothing makes up for time. Don't try to buy your children they need you. God has given you to your children as their parents. And one of the most important things that you have to offer them is your testimony through time. Let them see your love for God. Let them experience that. Give them your, your, your testimony through time. And then you do need to provide for your children. 
God blessed me with finances to be able to provide for my family. Yeah, God knows that. Why am I here? Family. Why am I here? Church. God's established a church. For some 2,000 years, God's been working through his church. As the preacher said earlier, churches establish other churches. And God's plan is for the church to be used to reach the world with the gospel. We do that by seeing souls saved and then establishing New Testament churches where they can be discipled to learn to go out and tell others. Lord, use me to provide for my church. What does my church need? Testimony. I tell our people in our church that every member of this church is going to have a part in impacting every child's life that comes through this church. These children watch you. These children are, are taught by you maybe in a junior church, in the nursery, in a toddler nursery, in a junior church ministry, in a Sunday school ministry, whatever it might be. They're watching you. What can you give to your church? A testimony. A testimony of Christ-likeness. When you come in and that person has the pew that you sit on, don't go up to them and say, hey, that's my pew. What are you doing sitting in my pew? That's not Christ-like. Amen. Brother, I'm glad. That's a nice pew to sit in there. I've sat in a while. You'll enjoy that pew. Enjoy yourself. I'll sit over here. <laughs> Amen. It's, it is more, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Be willing to give up whatever if it's going to increase and going to benefit the cause of Christ. A testimony. God, help me to be the Christian that I need to be in church. A church is a pretty good place to start to be a Christian. It's the easiest place to be the Christian that God wants you to be because you have other Christians all around you. Testimony, time. Your church needs your time. God's put you in that church to give of your time. Everyone has the same amount of time. Last I checked, we all have the very same hours in every day. Every one of us has 24 hours in every day and seven days in every week. <laughs> every one of us. And when you start using that time to honor God, can I tell you? He's liable to give you more days to do just that over and over again. Finances. God, God requires that. Tithes and offerings. He's given my church. When you start giving yourself to what God has where God has placed you, and you start being the person that God wants you to be in the place that he placed you, can I tell you, it will bring joy, and it will bring peace and contentment and knowing that I'm accomplishing what God wants me to accomplish. The other thing, and lastly, is the world. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Faith promise allows us to do just that. When you give to Faith Promise, you allow financing of a preacher, a missionary, to go out and to preach the gospel, to see souls saved, and then establish New Testament churches. And you have a part of that. A testimony of having a part of that. 
the time given to missions and the monies that God would provide for you to give to missions. It brings joy in knowing that I have a part in reaching the world. What does Solomon ask for that please God? is what we need to ask God for. For what would enable him to accomplish God's will? What are you asking God for today? God wants us to ask. He tells us to ask. Listen to me. When you start asking for the right things, you'll see God's hand of blessing on your life. And can I tell you, when you give what God wants you to give, you cannot outgive God. As you give what God wants you to give, He will multiply it. You can't outgive Him as long as you're giving according to what God wants you to give. What are you praying for? What are you praying for? You have much to ask for, and God has much to give. Look to accomplish what God has you here to accomplish. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. What a powerful message from the book of 1 Kings concerning the life of Solomon. Solomon ended up getting everything. Everything. Yes, what he asked for, and he would have the greatest wisdom than anyone else. He was able to have the wisdom to be the, one of the greatest kings of all of Israel following his father, David. He didn't ask for it, but God blessed him with wealth. God blessed him with life. God blessed him beyond his ability to comprehend. God can do and will do the same for us if we pray and ask for the right thing. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us. Thank you for the precious word that we have before us. And now I pray that you take the message that has been preached. I pray that you would use it to speak to everyone here as they have need to be spoken to. And not only, God, would they receive it, but they would be willing and ready to make whatever decisions that you would have them to make right here, right now, today, leaving here, headed in the direction that you want them to go, accomplishing things that you want them to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Go ahead and stand with me if you would this morning. I'm going to ask the musicians to play.